0: I'm Elizabeth Ames, and this is the Women in Product Podcast, where we share the stories of women product leaders, the careers they've built, the challenges they've overcome, and why they love building tech products. As our annual conference is fast approaching, I wanted to give you a sneak peek behind the scenes with some of this year's speakers. I've asked them to share what they have discovered about themselves by being a part of Women in Product, what things have helped keep them going through the craziness of the past two years, what they love about working in product, and why you should join us at the conference. My guests today are six exceptional women. Malika Hope, Shrujani Kamini, Susan Liao, Malika Gargea, Grace Young, and Christina Puder. Welcome to the Women in Product podcast. It's great to have you all here. I'd like to start today by asking, what has Women in Product helped you discover or rediscover about yourself or about working in product? Shrijani, would you like to start things off?
1: Um, I think the main thing that Women in Product actually helped me discover is the authenticity of connections. Um, it's one of the first product conferences that I ever went to. So when I met all the women there and we just launched into like very deep conversations and just genuine ones. And some of the people that I've met for four years ago at this point are, uh, still friends or still people that I know uh, I can reach out to or they can reach out to me. So there's this level of genuine professional connections. And I think that's something that I discovered was like a new form of connection that you can have. You know, it's almost like professional friends.
2: I love this question, actually, because it may sound a little cheesy, but women in product actually helped me discover product management. Um, I was a data scientist when I attended the first time in 2019 and I was really inspired by all of the women that I was surrounded by, all these women leaders in the same room. Um, I can't really explain the feeling, but it felt like I was in great company. So I took an interest in product management as a result of all of the great stories that
3: I heard. I attended the Women in Product uh, Conference last year. And one of my goals when I do stuff like that is I just hope to walk away with at least one nugget of useful information or knowledge that I can use. And there's one piece that has really stuck with me from that conference. You can only have flexibility on one of two things, inputs or time. And so you can't, you can't have both of those be hard constraints. One has to be movable. And I've really kept that in mind with the way that I organize um, planning for product. And when you have to make updates to projects, it's Do I want to cut the scope and get it out on time? Or do I want to build what I intended to build and change the timeline? And I think that is just a mathematical, logical way to think about it that I really appreciated and has stuck with me.
4: I think I would say um, maybe not rediscover so much as reemphasize my love of mentorship, Um, After I spoke last year, which was my first time really getting deeply involved, um, I had a lot of people reach out to me and being able to build those personal connections, uh, it's something I love to do. And it just kind of helped me um, build up my bench of mentees and uh, just reinforce how much that is a uh, gratifying part of being a leader to me.
5: So I, for some context, have been part of the Facebook community for a couple of years, And in my own journey as a product person from being my first PM job to my first product lead job, my first startup role, um, what has always been constant has been the the depth of connection and empowerment from the the online community. And so for me, in times of, of transition, or I mean, especially given the pandemic, Where I've questioned, you know, what is my, where do I wanna go? What is my direction? Um, I I feel women in product has always helped me just reimagine, rediscover that, and to recognize that I'm not alone (laughs) in the struggles that I face. Even with the years of, you know, I've been in tech for 20 years, the years of experience that I have, I still struggle. And so that sense of connection togetherness and, There's also a sense of abundance, I feel, from the community. There's always someone willing to help out. It's more of this openness and welcoming. Yes, tell us what's on your mind. And whatever we can do to help will help.
6: It's really helped me discover and rediscover that I love mentoring others. Um, I just organically arose as a top contributor in the Facebook group uh, that was super organic. I see posts that will ask questions or ask for a take on a situation that someone is facing. And I just started commenting. And then I was commenting a lot. And then people started reaching out to me saying, hey, I recognize your name. I recognize that you give really good advice. Like, can I get your help on a situation. So uh, to me, it's really like the circle of life because I have received so much mentorship, sponsorship and friendship from uh, other women and products who are older or more experienced than myself. And it's so important for me to pay it forward, especially to women of color or other folks from marginalized
0: backgrounds. The last two years have been pretty tough. What habits, rituals, hobbies, or skills have you started doing or really leaned into to restore personally and professionally? Grace, would you like to start?
6: In order to stay connected to my roots professionally, which is that fashion and beauty space, I've really found a lot of content creators that I love, such as on TikTok. I love the Glossy podcast and I also stay up to date on the Vogue runway app on all the newest fashion shows that are happening. Um, So maybe one day I'll make my way back to that industry, but for now it's just um, a passion of mine on the side.
1: One of the main things I had to focus on was drawing boundaries, especially because we're starting to work from home. So there's really no like end of the workday that you're getting up and leaving and going home, you're still in the same physical location, right? So I had to make sure that I draw those boundaries of like the end of a workday or the end of tasks. I do definitely stop working at five just so that I can get up and have that end of the day break. I've been using a lot of my non-work hours for um, developing and like not just kind of recovering from work because I think I just want to do work sustainably. So I want to do things that are outside of work that makes me excited about work and vice versa. right? And that's been really helpful to kind of look at both my non-work hours and work hours as equal things and not just one supporting the other. You owe it to your team and your work to have fulfillment outside of work.
4: The first thing I started doing was walking every day. I'm I'm in Canada, so it's not always the most pleasant. But I think that like forcing myself to get out of the house, even when I don't necessarily want to, um, ideally midday, um, can really spur some creativity and can really you know help um, emphasize that I do need some rest. I studied piano in when I was in university and s- definitely have not kept it up. And so I did start playing the piano again and I'm trying to keep that habit going. Um, take 15 minute breaks here and there in my day and hit
5: the piano. When I'm working at home or I'm virtual now, how do you stay interested in and kind of stay motivated with just like kind of getting through the day? Um And so the timing kind of time boxing I've found very effective where I just create like 20 minute kind of like the Pomodoro technique, 20 minute or 25 minute timers, or I'll segment tasks by size them. (laughs) I'll do my own little sizing opportunity, of small, small, medium, large, and then start to slot them in certain time spots. Um, So uh, the timer has been very, effective I think in that manner and I also do co-working action virtual action cafes which is where myself and a few other people come together almost like a sprint a co-working kind of pairing session where we check in with what we want to work on in the first five or ten minutes and then we, we put ourselves in our own zoom room breakout rooms <laughs> on a timer <laughs> to do whatever then at the end of the session we come back together to check in with each other like I say, spacing, space and pace. So setting a pace with a rhythm to your work and then allowing for space to breathe, whether that's like a five minute stretch break, check on the dogs if you have pets <laughs> or, um, yeah, just kind of direct your eyes, kind of go outside get some fresh air, but have having space to breathe.
2: I've been a dancer my whole life. So, um, I usually jump back the studio when, you know, I need to move my body and, you know, think a little bit. Um, yoga is another one. I found that besides moving my body, it gives me a lot of mental clarity and it helps reduce stress. At the start of the pandemic, when, you know, all this stuff was changing, if you remember, the world was red for a little bit. <laughs> but during that period, um, I had weekly yoga classes with my team, just, you know, to have
3: some kind of routine. We did lunchtime yoga. It was, it was great. I'm fascinated by economics and behavioral economics. And so my, one of my favorite podcasts is NPR. It's, it's, it's two, but they're really connected. NPR Planet Money, and NPR The Indicator. And I listen to The Indicator every morning when I'm getting dressed, and it's just a fun thing for me to learn that's very different from my day job, but super mentally engaging for me and easy to listen to as I'm kind of doing something else that that's being productive. I have been working with an executive coach for about a year, and I find that really helpful to take time to just think about what are my long-term goals? What are the different ways to get there? It's not just one path. Um, and also the ending isn't always just one place. It's, it's a moving target. Uh, and I've also found that in the last few years, I've made more and more friends that are product managers that I don't currently work with. And so I love catching up with them and hearing the kinds of things they're working on and struggling with just funny stories from their day. I I really appreciate that. I've started to build this network of friends of product managers that um, I can lean on.
0: Through all of the tough times, what parts of being a product manager get you excited or really reignites you when your fire is waning for the job? Malika?
4: Anytime I'm feeling frustrated or um, worn out by my job, uh, I look to customers. Easily the most energizing thing is, Setting up time, getting in front of real customers, interacting with them, um, learning about what it is they love about the product can be super energizing, but also learning about their frustrations with your products um, can really like light a fire uh, with an urgency to fix customer need. Um, customer obsession to me is the number one trait and quality a, a product manager should have. And so um, I always try to go back to those principles when I, uh, when I need to.
6: My team and being the glue and the connective tissue for them, I really get empowered and invigorated by the fact that people really look to me as the thought leader for my product lines, as the strategic visionary for them, and also as the leader and mentor of the people who work on my team. So it's really the people who motivate me. A company can change directions. It can work on a totally different product, but it's really the team that is
5: that constant. When I say, like, what is product for me? It's about reimagining, like, I talk about possibilities a lot, but kind of unimagined possibilities or doing the never been done before. Like every team that I've worked with has always been a different group of people with different talents, all talented. But how they work together is always different and they always come up with something different than what each of us and originally may have imagined in our own heads. What excites me is, are those aha moments? Sometimes um, a phrase that just recently came into my consciousness is like rainbows following rain. Uh, it's from a poem from Audre Lorde, but it's that moment when, yeah, the light bulb goes up or you've been like knee deep in the details. And then you have a conversation with someone else and kind of your eyebrows, your eyes open about, like, oh yes, exactly. And as a product manager, you're typically in the hub of those thought processes. That's what I really enjoy about being a product person.
1: What gave me joy at any job that I've had was to see the people that were using the things that I've built. So it's always something that's, you know, has been that fire inside me. Uh, When we see that we build something and it's actually changed people's lives for the better or it's touched people's lives in a transformative way, that definitely is my number one motivation.
3: I found that there's these two types of work that are really energy giving to me. And what I find most fascinating about them are that they're very different from each other. So one of them is smaller meetings, whether it's a one-on-one or two or three or four people, I tend to close my computer and think, oh, I love my team and walk away and be really energized by it. Totally different. The other time when I find that I'm in this feeling of flow and I'm really enjoying it and, and energized is a lot of times when I'm working by myself in the quiet, researching data analysis, looking at customer chats, trying to figure out why these numbers are the way that they are, and and what's causing it. Um, So I think it's really really intriguing to me that I get energy from both people and solitude, (laughs) but very specific types.
2: It's definitely being the voice of the customer or the advocate within the organization. As a data scientist my day-to-day is more technical you know delving into the nitty-gritty details of the data but what I love about product is that it connects those details to a bigger picture so it connects my piece of work that that has valuable insights but it connects it to the, the reason why we're doing it
0: so for each of you why should attendees come to your session Malika, you want to start us out
2: I work in personalization and Personalization is a hot topic right now. Um, I personally think there are misconceptions about what personalization is and what it isn't. And, and I hope that my talk can help dispel some of that doubt as well as share my experience working in it. Um, it can be really useful. Um, and I believe personalization is the next level of, you know truly understanding your customer and providing a stellar customer experience. I think to whoever it attends, it'll be a great introduction to personalization and how to understand your customer, test personalization features, and you know, at the end of the day, just building a, a good customer experience that will help your customers feel supported.
4: The reason I picked the topic I, I chose this year is because it's easily the, the number one question I get. How do I make that leap? I think I'm doing a great job. Um, I'm a product manager, senior product manager. I want to make the leap into being a leader and being a people manager. And how do I go about that? And what are the qualities that people will be looking for
5: when they're kind of selecting people for those opportunities? You should attend my workshop because this is your chance to get started, to take a small step for big change. This workshop is called A First Step from Product-ship to Foundership craft your North Star vision. Do you feel pull to be a founder as a product manager? Do you feel a tug to lead with purpose or to make a difference in the world on your terms? And this might not be something you wanna do now, but you know it's kind of in the back of your mind, maybe one day I wanna be a founder. And if this is true for you, this is your opportunity to plant that seed. This will be your opportunity to turn intention into action.
1: My talk is called The Double Diamond Approach to Steer Your Team Through Ambiguity. And I think you should come to my talk to gain confidence. I think this is an important toolkit in the bag of people who are working towards gaining your team's confidence and working towards your own confidence as well. Uh, something that I know that I could have really used in my early career was um having a method to communicate things that are in ambiguous states. I felt like I made that, uh, you know, step-by-step approach to uh, get more comfortable with ambiguity. And I really want to help people to make that same kind of leap into uh, comfort with ambiguity.
6: I have been talking to so many women who work in product, in tech more broadly, or even in other industries, and I've noticed that it's such a common experience for us to feel like we perform so much emotional labor, so much of the work that is considered glue work, and so many of those underappreciated and invisible tasks. A lot of the common advice in the last decade or so has been to say no to that and to not do that. But I truly believe that that doesn't have to be the answer. And if that is your passion, you can make it your superpower and you can really make it work for you. And I will share how I have used that type of work to really supercharge my career and help myself leapfrog and gain influence that is disproportionate to my seniority. It's moving and getting up to speed on your job. When you,
3: when everything around you is moving really fast, people are moving really fast um, and you want to make a big impact. You have a lot of important things to do and to figure it out quickly is, is really intimidating. Um, And so I, I want to help other women get there faster. You know, I want to help them figure out how to navigate feel incredible and, and getting comfortable with their job in a quicker amount of time than it, it took me.
0: I know that all of you have attended the conference in the past. So why should women come to this conference? Christina?
3: I always have a hard time with conferences and, and events and one-on-ones because there's always something else I feel like I need to be doing. I have a meeting to go to. I have a deadline. I have something that I, some sort of data I need to analyze. But if, if I don't stop and take the time to improve myself, to do the longer term learning and um, just improvement from things like conferences, reading books, talking to, talking to people, um, I'm never going to get better at my job. I'm just going to keep doing the same thing. And so I think that it's important to sometimes stop the urgent and do things that are important, like investing in ourselves so that we can do better at our jobs over the long term. And I think the conference will help with that because you'll have lots of good nuggets to take away that'll make you a better product manager.
5: I think all women should come to this conference because of the breadth and depth of the knowledge and backgrounds that all come together in, in this one space. This is a space where, you know, it it's transformative because it will be a space where you will be heard, you'll be seen, you uh, I have 100% confidence that like, no matter what workshop I attend or drop into, there'll be someone, whoever is speaking, will be um, saying something that I've never heard before. And they'll be bringing it from their own personal experience. It'll be coming from their heart. All women should attend because in the few minutes or hours, however long you decide you want to stay, whether that's one minute, two minutes, an hour, um, that you will walk away transformed.
2: It's a great conference. You should definitely go attend. You'll get some great tidbits of information to take
4: with you. Building connections is is so critical. There's so many more women in product than there used to be. I think taking advantage of that, taking advantage of the fact that there's a ton of women, there's going to be a ton of leaders there. There's a ton of people that are enthusiastic about this career path. And building your network is... Even though it's something I think that is emphasized a lot, it's still one of the most underutilized tools I feel people have when they're thinking about their career. There there is a community of product managers and you're going to want to be a part of it. And especially as you want to get more senior and involved in your career, having that strong network is going to become more and more important. This latest job I got, I got through a networking opportunity. um, And so I can't speak enough about how important it is to... Try to put yourself out there and to try to build those connections at the very least um, even if it's not due to ambition having people to talk to you about your experiences and what you go through as pms and are they experiencing similar challenges not only could you get um you know some guidance on how to tackle those challenges but just knowing that there's people in the same situation as you can at least personally for me gives me a ton of confidence and, and really helps me when i uh, when i'm feeling
1: stuck. Every woman that I meet that wants to know about uh, product management, one of the first things I tell them is to join this community called Women in Product. Because I think product management is not a science. It's a practice. It's not like mathematical equations. It's a practice over time. So I think that's the main reason that people should come to this conference. Um, A, because it's a community that's so active. People are ready to, you know, right from resume reviews to just uh referrals to just normal conversations just you know uh, uh bouncing ideas off of each other you can do anything uh, of any you can do anything overall in this range uh, of community and interactions with this uh with this group i have never felt so empowered as i did after going to some of these women product um uh, chapter meetings and women at all conference I just realized that some of my problems or some of my challenges that I'm facing is not just me it's all women you know and somehow that makes a big difference in the way you conduct your career you know the product the networking part is is one side of it but just knowing that you're you're not alone in some of the challenges you face is uh, really really important. That's why I said this is one of the first things I tell women to do if they want to get into product management is to join this community.
2: I think that this is a great place to surround yourself with like minded people to meet and network with that, you know, even just to attend talks, even if you're just interested in the content. um, There's something very powerful in seeing what you, you want to accomplish standing right in front of you. Because you could see someone in front of you who was reaching for the stars and accomplishing great things and did it. Um, So, yeah, I, I think it's a great community to surround yourself with, even if it's just to go be inspired.
6: I think that women face unique challenges in product management. In tech, in just the working world in general. And I think it's really important for us to find that community and be able to use each other's experiences and expertise as resources and to be able to lean on that brain trust, that um, collective wisdom. When I go to other events, whether they're in person or virtual, and um, it's not a woman in product event, sometimes I'm like, oh, this is cool advice, it could make sense for some people, but that is not really going to work for me as as a woman in product.
0: Thank you to everyone who joined me for this podcast, Malika, Shurjani, Susan, Malika, Grace and Christina. We're excited to have all of you speaking at this year's conference. And we hope that all of you, our listeners, the entire Women in Product community, will join us on May 10th and 11th to hear all of them and many more outstanding women in product management today. I look forward to joining you then. Thank you for listening today. Thanks also to our partners, Facebook, Google, PayPal, and Upwork, who provide annual support for the work of Women in Product and our community. This podcast is an original production of Women in Product. Our music today was provided by Croander, the instrumental music project of David Sate. Follow us on Apple Podcasts and leave us a review so that others can discover us. Android users find us on Spotify. Or share this episode with others who you think would find it interesting. If you have any questions or suggestions for future guests or topics, you can reach us at podcast.womeninproduct at gmail.com.